Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett, welcoming you to a brand new year. And this is episode 52 of the North Meet South web podcast. everyone thanks so much for joining us very top of the show we want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors who so very generously donated in 2018 to make our show possible andreas hubenthal jp davy joe lennon rasmus nielsen cto sumo you guys know who you are thank you so much for the funds that keeps this show going really appreciate it so kind of what we decided we want to do is Mention these uh, sponsors once a show, I believe, in a quick rapid fire format. And then uh, once a show each week, we'll kind of highlight a single one of them and uh, a little read that they gave us. So, yeah, yeah, pretty minimal. And yeah. uh, really thankful for these folks who found it uh, in their hearts to sponsor the, the, the show. So, pretty yeah, it's awesome. N- it's nice to, to have that. It means that, um, you know, we don't have to worry about our hosting costs and things like that for the for the podcast over the next couple of years, which is good. I mean, it's not a huge expense, but it's nice to know that that there's listeners out there that are willing to chip in and uh, and help us out to to keep the show going. Yeah, and Michael got a brand new HomePod, and uh, he also no, I'm just kidding, just kidding. Yeah, just I, put, kidding. I put I put the deposit down on my Model S, so yeah. that's <laughs> that'll be here in in March. So nice. No, is Thanks that for real? Did you really responses. do that? <laughs> No, no way. Oh. I have to win the lottery. For, this is this is the deal that Ree and I have made. When we win the lottery, and it's obviously when we win the lottery, not if we win the of lottery. Of course, of course. That the priority number one is to pay off our mortgage. Yep. Then I can get a a Model S. Yep. Assuming there's money left over. So. Okay, that sounds like a good and, plan. And then, I think that's respectable. And then, re- yeah, and then realistically, the rest of the money is just going to go into, you know, savings for sure. A rainy day or whatever, but I think we were talking about it. The our our sort of major lottery at the moment, the Powerball, is at a hundred million dollar jackpot. So nice. we've gone in, we've gone in four ways with my brother, my sister, and my cousin. So you know, when we win that one, it'll be uh, you know pay off this mortgage, get the Model S, build a new house somewhere, and then reset. I'm going to have to come up with a passion project, and then I can stop working for someone else and just do my own freelance stuff. There you go. And if that doesn't work out, you know, you can always get rich running Laracon AU. So yeah, yeah, that's definitely, (laughs) that's definitely going to make me the richest man alive. Oh boy. I'm just teasing. And that is a passion project, right? I know that's so (laughs) much work. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like giving talks at conferences, right? It's like, by the time you put in all the hours for practicing and planning and doing all your stuff, it's totally not like, you know, it's gone. Yeah. 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 You didn't get paid to do it. The speakers. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the speakers, they, you know, they, they spend ages and ages and ages planning and preparing and then they get up and they're done in 45 minutes. I at least get a couple of days out of it, but it's exhausting. It's just because I I still haven't seen most of the, the talks from Laracon because, you know, when I was on the day, I was sort of like running around and now that it's you know, post event, I just don't have time really to, to do a whole lot of anything. So yeah, speaking like of, I sit down and watch them. There was some great. Yeah. Talks, so I, I need to do that. To I need to go and uh, watch David's. I haven't even finished his. I started it. I, I watched through all the funny jokes. 
David's is pretty much the one and only one that I've that I've been able to watch all the way through. So nice. yeah, made I made a special effort with that one. Speaking of conferences, Laracon US started their ticket sales last week. I think I bought three yeah. tickets the first day, and I spied a little ticket purchase from an Australian I know as Hello. well. Are you planning on attending this year, my friend? I'm I'm certainly planning. I said to Ray. On I think it was Tuesday morning here when the tickets came out. And I said, I looked at Ray and I said, tickets for Laracon went on sale today. Should I just buy a ticket and figure it out later? And she's like, well, yeah. Because the tickets go really quickly. Absolutely. Right? Taylor's in there. The, the PlayStation Theater seats like 800 people and they've already sold half of them half in of them. a week. Yeah. Yep. yeah, in a week. Half of those tickets are gone. So, you know, worst case scenario, something comes up and, and I can't make it across. Um, you know, it's... It's it's a big it's a big deal. I mean, it wasn't as big a deal before when it was like just Ray and I. But now that it's we've got a, a kid, it's kind of hard for me to go away for a week. Like leave on Sunday, come back on yeah. Sunday. Yeah, that's a lot to um, ask. Especially to New York, it's it's a bit trickier because you, you know I've got to go from here to Sydney to LA or Dallas and then right. over to to New York. So it's yeah, a lot of travel. So you want to yep. give yourself. Uh, I'm. Assuming I go, I'm hoping to get there a couple of days before and leave a couple of days after just to not not be completely trashed out of time. it during the yeah. conference, but also so I can make the most of hanging out with people. Oh, for um, sure. That, you know, I only get to see once a year or, you know, I haven't seen most of you for a couple of years now. So, yeah, fingers crossed everything goes well. I've, I've been eyeing off just some accommodation on booking.com because they've usually got book now, pay later, free cancellations. So, you know, realistically, the only thing that it would come down to then at that point will be flights that we have to worry about. So just waiting nice. for those I, to come down a little bit. Yeah. I didn't even look at um, hotels yet. I'm interested to see where everybody's staying. It's kind of like, you know, New York city is um, awesome because there's so many things to do, but it's also really large. Right. So yeah. uh, Chicago was really good this year because I felt like it was small enough that you could kind of stay as a little bit of a tighter group, but it was large enough that you could go do anything you wanted to do. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. It was but good. There was like nothing near the, near the venue. That's correct. In Chicago, right? That's it was, correct. Yeah, That's yeah. It was everything, everything was a bit further away. Yeah. But it was. In New York, there's literally dozens, probably even hundreds of, of places to stay. And, and it's, it's in, because it's in Times Square, all of the accommodation right near it is really, really expensive as well. And, and the disparity in pricing between venues, like I looked at one place that was $1,200 for five nights and another place that was, a block over that was four and a half thousand dollars. So wow, we've got yeah, a, that's crazy. I think I think we all just need to bunk up the cash money and yeah, rent a cabin or something, and maybe invite Jonathan Rennick down from Canada because yeah, he's a uh, Yaz is always getting stuck into him because he can't come because they go eat some log cabin somewhere. Him and him and his family. Jonathan, I could get down so. with that. I could get down with all uh, kind of getting together. The thing is, my employer is going to pay for it anyway. But like, if I was going to be, if I had to cho- like choose, like, okay, I could kind of get a room by myself or get a room with a bunch of other people or right next to people that I'm going to be hanging out with anyway. I'd rather that. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a really good year. I'm really, really, really hoping to speak. Crossing my fingers, hoping to speak this year. We'll see what happens. Uh, I got to yeah. get my ducks in a row and kind of get everything figured out um, with that. So 
Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be a 30-minute talk as well, so you'd have right. no problem filling that one. Don't, no joke, right? You'd put me up there and just say like, okay, go. And I could figure out something to talk about and for 30 right. minutes. And, and then the, and after 30 minutes, you'd have finished introducing yourself and then right. you'd be ready to give your talk. No, like, so I feel like with 30 minutes, I think like they're going to have an MC who's going to introduce people. And then I think hopefully what that means is there is no introduction, right? Like I always really yeah. appreciate it when people like get on stage and they're right into the talk. Like just boom, yeah. right into it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it'll be, I think it'll be really interesting. So, well, Hey, we had outlined kind of before we started what we'd like to talk about this episode. We wanted to talk about the new year a little bit, some of our goals, uh, personally, maybe developmentally, not developmentally, but regarding development, our jobs, uh, <laughs> a career wise, what we'd like to get done. Uh, and then kind of talk about some things that we've been working on recently. Michael, you had some legacy stuff you'd like to share legacy woes mm-hmm. and, um, mm-hmm. I've been working in Nova, doing some cool stuff with that. Nice. Um, and Wink. I don't know if you've got a chance to use Wink at all. Um, I literally was installing it before we jumped on this call. Yeah, and I would actually like to talk too about Telescope. Um, yeah. I had a weird first experience with that, so I didn't use it anymore. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'd be interested to talk about uh, if you've been using it. So yeah. let's jump right into the New Year, New Me section here. What are some things you've set goals for yourself uh, personally? Let's hear like, two of those things what are some things personally that you've set and then we'll go into career and and hit those two yeah well i mean physically i am now able to do things again so Mm -hmm. i've been in the gym for four days a week um which is really good um things are things are slow going i've managed to get my my strength back in my upper body to where it was before i stopped when i had surgery so it's nice to have been able to resume that so you know that's that's out the way and it wasn't as big of a slog as I thought it was going to be, which is great. It's nice to just go in there and, and start lifting things. I had to drop weight a little bit, but within a couple of weeks, I was back to back to normal. So happy about that. Uh, personally, number two, hmm, I, I can't really do cardio at the moment. And this kind of ties into the first one, I guess. I can't really do cardio at the moment because of my knee and I don't really have any interest in doing any running, but it's probably going to be another two or three months but before I can do any extended period of time like on an elliptical or a bike just from a number one, a fitness and number two, a, a mobility point sure. of view. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but with Eli taking swimming lessons now, I like to be able to like swim. I haven't, yeah. I haven't been swimming since I was a kid in like primary school, so 10 years old or so. So I would, we were looking it up today. They do like adult beginner classes at, at this pool that, that Eli does his lessons at. So yeah, yeah. yeah, like, you know, how to actually swim. And Rigo, you're sure. not a beginner. You've got some experience. I'm like, well, yeah, 20 years ago, I guess. But it'd be nice to have someone coach you, you on proper form way. And, and that yeah. kind of stuff and teach you the yeah. proper way. And, I, you know, I don't want to do it competitively or anything like that, but just to get the, make sure that I've got the technique right and all that kind of stuff. And then the rest of it comes down to practice, but even just now with like the shaky knee, it would be nice just to get into the pool a couple of times a week and just even walk laps for, you know, 15 minutes up and down the pool just to have a bit of resistance in that movement, which should do a world of good, but and just I think something kind of a little bit different. Like regain confidence too. You know, like after you blow out something yeah. like your knee, like if you haven't walked down it for a while, like I feel like you'd be really like uh, apprehensive about like putting full weight on it or like trying to do anything yeah. crazy. So like, you know, just to kind of gain that comfort and... um you know. Yeah. I mean, my physio said that I can, you know, jump on the leg press and do things like that and put weight on it and he'd be comfortable with it. But 
I, I can consciously feel myself and I can see myself putting weight to one side. Like yeah. I can I can I can consciously feel that I have put most of the weight on my strong leg. So you've really got to stop and think that I've got to do it with equal pressure on, on both both feet. So and that's you know, mental roadblocks to get over as well. Yeah, it's important too because like what ends up happening sometimes, you know, like you what you have is you have people who have really bad knees. They get one knee replaced and then they blow out the other knee while they're recovering, right? Yeah. Or something yeah. like that because they just put all their weight on that knee. So that's good yeah. though. That's good. Like you're working towards like kind of getting that all back kind of in shape and in order there and... I know like you had some really great personal like uh, workout goals last year and, and were able to mm. pretty much nail those except for once your knee gave you some problems. So that's yeah. cool. I'm glad you're getting yep. back on the horse and able to kind of see some of those things through again. That's cool. Yeah. Thanks, man. Awesome. What about you? What what personal um, things have you got? You know, honestly, dude, it's, uh, I don't know. This last year was crazy. I feel like I had some really good personal goals. My, me and my wife talked about it the other day and then I forgot to write them down. <laughs> of course. Um, yeah. one of the things I'm doing, like, so Eric Barnes talked about this, like I'm doing a journal this year, um, like just a daily journal. Everybody mm-hmm. had their recaps this year for 2018. Right. And I thought that was really cool. Uh, I just really was like, I, I was, it was seemed stressful to me to kind of go back through and figure out everything that I was going to do for 20, that I did it. for 2018. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just ended up not doing it. I was like, you know, what? I just don't like if it was really going to be a good benefit, then maybe I would do it. But I was like, yeah, it's not, it's not going to be anything really for me. So anyway, uh, but I think in 2019, I I like the idea of just keeping a daily journal. Um, I used to do a picture every day for, for a couple Mm -hmm. of years, which was really cool. I just went on Instagram and like, I had, you know, basically records of like my kids growing up, which was really nice. Uh, but it took a lot of time. And so with a daily journal, there's no pressure to like get some artistic, framed photo and like you know edit it and all that stuff and then have a great caption it's just my own personal what do I want to do you know and um and uh what was the day for me and so it's cool I think I'll I think I'll look back on that and be thankful that I did I was I was uh I thought it was pretty cool looking at Eric Barnes journal for 2018 and and uh seeing him having done that I I thought that was a cool idea so I want to do that for 2019 I'm reading I think two books a month is my goal so I'm working on a couple right now, so that's good. Really, I trying. just want to know where you find the time to do all of this stuff, though, with four kids. Like, I don't have time to do anything. But yours are older, I suppose, and that's the difference between you and me is that because your kids are older, you can kind of plop them down and they'll just do their own thing, whereas Eli's still at the stage where he needs to be held quite a bit. So He is, dude. And, you know, it's like, I mean, Harrison, believe me, when Harrison's awake, it's like that. You know, you, but I guess it's a little bit different. Like when you do have more kids, um, they do entertain each other a little they bit too. Each, yeah, like each other. When you're, when you are like, when you have one kid, you are the entertainment. So if they're yeah. awake, one of you has to be playing with them or entertaining them all the time. Like it's just how it is. This, like you feel like a neglectful this, yeah. parent if you're not for some reason, you know? This sounds like a trap to having another child really. It. I mean, you know, I don't know. It has its benefits, right? I mean, it does. yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. And, you know, we, we, we're looking to have another one. We'd like to have two. Yeah. God help us if we have... We, we went into an Ikea. We went to Ikea today and in the change room that had two two change room, uh, two change tables next to each other, I said to her, you get away from those tables. I don't want anything rubbing <laughs> off on you. 
I'm not having twins. I'm not having it. If we had twins the first time, it'd be okay, but I'm not having three. Yes, right. It's out of the question. Right. No, I get that. I get that. But um, yeah, so I don't know. So like finding the time to do that stuff, um, you know, some of it's been like the waking up early stuff. You know, we usually we put the bed, kids to bed around like eight o'clock-ish and then we... Let me hang out for a couple hours. So we're, we're mm-hmm. pretty chill. Like, uh, you know, reading books is, I, I can do that during that time. But, you know, I was just talking to a guy at work the other day and it was, I feel very much like my job and, and all the other things I'm doing right now are just kind of like, I, I feel like I have a little bit too much on my plate, like as far as just mm-hmm. all the responsibilities that I'm doing. So like, I'm really involved in my church right now and a couple different things. I think actually three different things. I'm like on deacon board, school board, and like I'm heading up like one of our kids ministry things with like one of my friends or some of our friends. So that's like crazy insane. So there's that. And then I do 20% time at a nonprofit on Friday. Right. Which also kind of expects me to help do them some, do some other stuff for them too. Right. It's like, yeah, you know, and then I have my real job. It's 20% and then some, and yeah. then, yeah. And then, and then you I have my no real more. job and my family and all that stuff. So I think this year is going to be a year where I'm really going to just going to need to kind of prioritize, cut out the stuff that I'm not interested in doing, or it's just too much and, and kind of just refocus. And, uh, so yeah, those are, those are good things for me. Yeah. And I agree with that. And you say that, you know, once you get the kids to sleep, you spend a couple of hours together and it's been a bit better for us now that Eli's sort of, you know, knocking on wood sleeping a bit better through the night he still wakes up once or twice but he's sort of back to where he was before he had his sleep regression when i had surgery so he's going three four hours at a time which is nice we put him down for a nap at six o'clock last night which is typically his last nap of the day and then about an hour and a half into that we figured he he'd just gone to sleep that was the end of his day and he was skipping bath time so (laughs) That's yeah, it's always, nice. That's and then, you know, he woke up, he woke up about 9.30. He woke up again at 10.30 upset. And then he sort of slept through until 1.30. And then from 1.30, he slept until the six o'clock this morning where we had to get up and take my sister to the airport. So nice. He's getting better. He's getting better. And during the day, he's sort of, he's sleeping less, but he's sleeping longer when he has his daytime naps. So it's getting easier. Um, I get up in the morning and I, you know, I wake up at 6.30 and I can, get up at 6.30 and be out of the house by 6.45 because Eli is still asleep at that point. So getting getting to the gym a bit earlier and then getting to work a bit earlier means that I'm home a bit earlier and I can spend a bit more nice. awake yeah, that's time great. with him. You know, I give, yeah, I yeah, give yeah. it up in the morning, but, you know, the morning awake time is I wake up and change his nappy and then we were just, you know, having a nap on the couch anyway. So I think it works out a little bit better this way because I'm spending time with him when I get home rather right. than spending time with sleeping him. And he's just getting all kinds of crazy now and he's starting to kick his legs and stomp around. I, we suspect he's going to skip straight past crawling and go to walking the way he's going because he's not really showing any signs of wanting to crawl, but he loves standing up. So Nice, dude. That's fun. <laughs> That's super fun. It's going to be insane once he starts walking. Though. Just fair warning. Oh, yes. get, that, get that child safety stuff all over the place. <laughs> yep. All right. Um, do you have, did you have any like dev goals you're working on or did you want to jump straight to your legacy stuff? Uh, secondarily, I spilled a whole cup of tea on my MacBook this last week. That was pretty crazy. No, it's almost as bad as me with the iced coffee in our Christmas episode. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was bad too. Um, do you know, and I did that in the car like a week later, I picked up a bottle (laughs) and the, the lid, it was a screw lid, but it was not seated properly and I shook it and I was went, ugh, it wasn't as bad that time, thankfully. 
Yeah, that one, that, when you did it on our Christmas episode, it literally exploded all over the room. That was pretty nice. My printer doesn't work now. I'm pretty sure that like the iced coffee that got in the side of the printer got into the fan, and now the oh, fan is word. stuck. That's so I hilarious. need to like pull the side off of it and r- r- jiggle it around a bit to get you know some movement yeah. going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's so funny. Um, I totally forgot what I was talking about. What was I saying? Oh yeah, Dev I spilled goals. the whole we're cup. We're talking about Dev goals. I, yeah, I spilled the I spilled the whole cup of uh, tea on my MacBook. Thankfully, the MacBook uh, was yes. closed. Yeah, but uh, oh, I that's got right. It's up. not so bad if it's closed. Do you have a no worries? Do you have a shell on it or something? No, no shell. Yeah. Oh, that's right. At least you, it was the outside, so right, right. It didn't. It it, it only not got so on the side not of so the USB C ports, but it was all right. It it, it held up okay. So not good. Yeah, yeah. All right. So Dev goals. Do you have any Dev goals? Yeah. You mentioned that you're wanting to do your daily journaling and Adam has Adam Wadden has talked about doing like a weekly recap of what he's been doing just to work in public and just so that he can see at the end of the year that he's actually achieved something, especially now that he's talking about doing Tailwind full-time. So I had a few people kind of over the Christmas and New Year break at work say to me that like this thing was broken and then someone else said that the same thing had been fixed but then that wasn't doing what they were expecting it to do. So there's a bit of, uh, I suspect there's an issue with communication that I, I will say that one thing and people will misinterpret it or they will mishear it or they won't hear it at all. So we're going to start like a weekly dev, you know, just a developer journal just to say, hey, these are the things that we worked on this week. These are some of the problems that we saw fixed, you know, some things that people have mentioned to us that we've put, you know, into a backlog for later. These are the things that we plan to work on next week kind of thing. And that's what I was looking at Wink for, just because we don't need any syntax highlighting or anything like that. We might put an image in there just to illustrate something that had changed in the, you know, in a in a release from that week. So, you know, it'd be nice to just keep that just so that the staff can refer back to it and they can see like this thing changed at this point, but then we updated it and now it does this or this was broken and now we fixed it. And it just, we've started communicating like change logs. So we'll take merge request titles and we'll use that, you know, we're going to release this release and this is what we've changed in it. So keep an eye out for anything weird in these areas. Yeah. I think a more comprehensive, like, like a flowing prose of like, these are the things that we worked on and these are the things that we were made aware of and, and something like that is actually going to be really useful, especially now that the business is growing and, and there's more people, it's easier, you know, if that communication comes directly from the horse's mouth. And then if at that point people choose not to read it or they misunderstand it or whatever, then, you know, I can't help you. And and maybe we should look at hiring people that can read and comprehend <laughs> English. But That's literally exactly what we're using Wink for as well as like a yeah. running change log. It's just like it's hard because if you don't have a place to put those things, what ends up happening is it goes out in an email, but then it doesn't get to all the people. It goes to most of the people, but then you missed somebody. And then, yeah, the person either the person who was supposed to get it, maybe got it, maybe didn't, whatever. But, you know, just having like mm-hmm. a canonical resource where you can go back and say like, this is the things that happened, right? And that, I, we had the same yeah. sort of thing with 2018 where I like, my director was like, hey, uh, I want to see like, give me, give me your breakdown of 2018 for like your team. It's like, okay. So I had to go through, like, I'm like looking at all these merge requests. It's like, it's impossible to figure out all the stuff that you did. But, you know, I'd love to just say, you know, when we released an update or a fix or whatever, 
hey, this is what happened and here's a screenshot and here's how you use it. And then what I'm hoping to do is just have like a weekly digest that gets sent out on Mondays yep. that has like, hey, here's the change logs. And it's not just for my team either though. So like we'll use it for a lot of internal communications. So like the HR department has some stuff that they wanted to put in there too, whatever, right? So I'm just kind of like a weekly, what's going on in the company? We've got two locations now, so that's harder to communicate. And, you know, announcement emails just get deleted so it's kind of like yeah. go peruse yep. this at your own leisure leisure mm-hmm. if you will i i don't know where it is i will find it before this show goes out and put it in the release notes but i have a git thing like a plugin for git that allows you to generate change logs based on you know oh, who nice. changed what and what changed and things like that and it's like it relies on you writing good commit messages but it is handy. Even if you use it for yourself and I'll use it for myself to go like what changed in the last week and then use that as as cliff notes yeah. to, to construct like the written article once a week. Yeah, pretty much what I'm going to have to do. Like is if any of us release, if any of us has a pull request that it's going to get merged or whatever, we have to write a draft for it. All right, so that usually it'd be like my other developers that would be kind of creating those initial things and then I kind of review and then publish. So mm-hmm. I would, uh, so when they create their pull request, any, any uh, like images or whatever that they'd put in their pull request right before you know, it gets approved or whatever, they'll write up the draft and then I'll approve it and publish it once I actually push the code into production. Yeah. So yeah, a little bit of extra work, but I think it'll be, I think it'll be good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about your legacy stuff here, huh? Yeah, we we talked last year about our servers that were mysteriously like locking up every now and then, and yeah, yeah, we had some issues that we had identified. We had made some changes that staved off some of those issues for a short period of time, whilst we figured out how to fix them. Uh, in the first week of the year, I actually got an opportunity to sit down and rewrite our data accounting stuff. So I work for an internet provider and we use, you know, people connect to the internet. We need to track how much data they've done because we still have data limits in some places. Unlimited data is starting to become more and more common now, but a lot of times, you know, you've got a 500 gig or a one terabyte limit or a 200 gig limit per month on, on the amount of data that you can sure. do. So we need to track not what you've done, but how many bytes have passed through. This is a, a really intensive process. Like there's a lot of processing behind it. So the way that we used to do it and, it, and it worked for a long time because we had, you know, less customers, but we're starting to like stack customers on quite, um, quite quickly now, which is a good thing for the business. But the way we were doing it before is that we would like grab all of the, all of the accounting sessions. So, you know, 9, 10, 12, 13,000 sessions, and we would loop through them all and we would check, you know, is this a duplicate session? Do we have to remove a session? Things like that. Then okay. we'll get that same number of customers and we'll do another lot of processing on it. And then we'll get that same number of customers and we will do a third. And I think we ended up having four or five different types of processing that all happened sequentially. So you can see, you know, when, when we started out and it was like 100 customers, that was okay. But now we're talking thousands of customers and we're talking and is- about adding thousands more customers yeah and what are the queue jobs doing now you said they're removing sessions there was no no queue session no no there was no queue jobs previously this was all literally one cron script that ran every five minutes and removed like stale sessions is that what it did it removed stale sessions removed duplicate sessions it calculates based 
how much the data is at now. Yeah, so yeah. say you had 10 gig, but we will flag that previously you had 8 gig. So we'll sure. calculate the difference. We'll say, okay, we'll update your daily total yep. to 10 yep. gig and we'll and then we'll store that, that value as yep. the previous value for the next time it ran. Got it. That makes sense. But this was like every single online session, every single time the script ran every five minutes. And every now and then we'd experience these slowdowns on the server, which meant that that, that cron that runs every five minutes would take longer than five minutes to Ooh, run. Yeah, right, right. Then you have overlapping now, jobs. Now, Laravel makes this right? really easy because you've got the the without overlapping thing right. in your scheduled task. But this was this was just an old cron script sure. that would take more than five minutes to run sometimes. The problem with that is that the script would start running again. It would overlap the first one. And because both of these scripts are hitting the same tables doing the same data, it gets very computationally expensive. It upsets the database. The database becomes slow to respond. Radius is still peppering the database, adding you know new information. Sure. And so before you know it, you've got the same cron script running six times. Oh my gosh. And and what happens, because they're all counting the same thing, like one after the other, the values don't update. A customer who has downloaded two gig has suddenly downloaded like 12 gig. And when you have data limits, if you're getting counted as 12 gig when you've done two and you've only got a 200 gig quota, you know, eventually yeah, and quite it's quickly, gonna quick. yeah. it's going to add up. And then customers get shaped. Customers go, oh, you know, we must have just used a lot of data. So we buy a data block and, and you know, eventually these things come through. So, you know, we figure out what had happened and, and, and we rewrote all of that stuff. We went through and we, you know, did what we needed to do from a customer service perspective. You know, we, we sorted all the, the customers start, you know, smoothed all, all that out. We figured out how to sort of stave it off. First week of the new year, my job was go through and rewrite all this data accounting stuff. Step one was to write tests because there was no test for the old stuff. So someone asked me about this on Twitter. You know, how, how do you bring tests into a legacy application? And I think the easiest way of doing that is to look at a high level, like your end-to-end. As, we, sure, as right, you right. would write a new test, you would write yeah. from the, yeah, the outside in. So you would write the, the, the broadest test you can that covers as much of your use case as possible and drop down into the unit level as you need to. Yeah. So we wrote the cases around closing duplicate sessions, purging error sessions, identifying error sessions, doing the actual accounting themselves. And so what we wound up doing was rewriting this cron script into a, a scheduled task. Nice, yeah. And the scheduled task just did the, the very high level stuff. So it would say like, give me all the customers and then, then it would defer the actual accounting to jobs. Right, right, right. So what we ended up with, and I posted some some screenshots on Twitter, is 20 queue workers on a single server processing around about 2 million jobs every 18 hours. Nice, that's awesome. Now- without Without breaking a sweat without breaking a sweat. And so we, you know, we optimized the way that we did some things. We looked at customers that had only had their accounting data updated since the last time the cron script ran. So whenever the cron runs, we just store in the cache that like I've started running now. And, and I'll tell you, we use the start date, the start time and not the end time. Because if something updates while the script is running, you won't, you won't catch that in the next run. Because if you, so say the, the script takes like 30 seconds to run. Sure, yeah. And a customer's session is stamped like 15 seconds through that. Okay, sure. And Right, so the next time you run, you won't find that customer's session that was stamped halfway through. Yep. So yeah, we ended up sw- switching that pretty quickly to use like when the cron Makes runs, sense. we just yeah, set yeah, this yeah. value and then use that for the next time. So we're just using Laravel's cache to do that because it's the easiest way of doing it. 
Um, and then if, if there's nothing in the cache, we just use the current timestamp to like minimize the number of customers, uh, services that get processed. Um, but because we keep cumulative totals, it doesn't matter. We just count the difference between what the value is at the time we account it and what it was the last time we counted it. So if we miss a session and you download like four gig in that time, will we take the four gig value in and count it? So that got a lot nicer. And then we still had this server lock up on us for some other reason we don't we don't know. So this afternoon or this evening after the call center closes, my job will be to m- migrate to a new server. So nice, just to see if there's any kind of cruft left on that old server. Yeah, and we suspect there. I mean, that server's only sort of eighteen months old, but you know, it was running Apache two point two. It had PHP five point six on it originally, and we've upgraded it to to seven point one. But yeah, you know, the new server is yeah, going to yeah. be a, a fairly standard sort of Laravel environment. It will be running Nginx. It will be running. We're gonna we're going with PHP seven point two just because okay. there's still a couple of lingering issues with seven point three and Opcache, which you're obviously that, probably using that, heavily. Yeah. Yeah, so I know that Taylor pushed out a fix to Laravel 5.7 to kind of work around the issues in Opcache, but I would rather, not not that I have no faith in, in Taylor's workaround, it's just I would rather that the language behave in a way that we expect it to behave than totally. having to work around it. Totally, Because, yeah. I, I mean, who knows what else, you know, under the hood is going to be affected by that Opcache bug. So we'll stick on 7.2 for a bit, but all of that code is in, in a state now where... Once seven point three is is sorted out, we can jump to that pretty quickly. So nicely done, man. It's and Horizon um, it, it makes was kind that of like crap a crash thing. so easy. Oh, so much easier. At and UI, I got a couple yeah. of pull requests merged into to um, Horizon this week. Nice. One to to format the numbers because when it's like a hundred jobs or nine hundred jobs, you can read that because it's just three numbers. Yeah, but once right, you right. get to a thousand or ten or a hundred or a million, in our case the numbers get a bit harder to read because they all kind of sit next to each other. So that yeah. was one you need, like, pull request separators. that got merged. Yeah, so we've got the comma separators in there, which is actually pretty easy because um, you can handle that in JavaScript. The yep. other thing that got merged in, but I don't think it's been tagged in a new release yet, is to actually handle the trim values properly. So mm-hmm. the the Horizon dashboard will say like jobs past hour and fail yeah. jobs past hour, even though the configured default is for fail jobs to be a week. So oh, gotcha. I, oh, okay. I put, yeah, so I put some, I, I got a, some code into Horizon, which will actually show whatever those trim values are. So if, if like in our case, we use the last 18 hours, it will actually say jobs past 18 hours instead of the jobs nice. past hour. Because the first time I looked at it, I'm like, gee, we did a lot of jobs, 1.8 million <laughs> in an hour. That seems like a lot. I mean, it seems right, but it seems like, no, it was it was wrong, but it was, yeah, it was because we had configured 18 hours. Because if something happens at like 6 o'clock at night and I don't get to work until 9 o'clock the next day, I'm not going to yeah, see it if it's right, the past absolutely. hour. So that gives us a bit of, you know, it's a it's three quarters of a day of, of overlap that is enough to go back and look at like a failed job or, yeah. or some job that had processed previously. So It's really nice to be able to redispatch the failed job straight from the UI instead of having to dial into the CLI and stuff. And it also gives uh, visibility to other people who maybe don't have access to that server who could actually, you yeah. know, who wouldn't be able to rerun that job. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, awesome, man. That's super exciting. Oh, my word. I mean, I remember when queued like... It's funny because looking at some of my old legacy apps, we had similar problems where like we were going to be like overlapping stuff. And so I basically wrote my own queue handlers, like I, my own queued job thing where instead of um, 
kind of using, hey, Laravel, dispatch a new job and queue it. I just wrote something to a database that would live there and then, mm-hmm. you know, and then we'd chunk through the jobs using some yeah. sort of uh, command, whatever. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, Laravel just makes it so nice, just so nice to be able to do that. Um, so yeah. you said it, that you had, like, the, do the jobs do different things or do they, all the jobs do the same things? So the console command itself is responsible for finding the things that need to be processed. That then defers each um, accounting entry to a job called like check shaping status. And that does some other checks like, are you on an unlimited plan? If you're on on an unlimited plan, then, you know, we should skip this because we don't count quota. If you're... um, if you're on an unlimited plan, but you're shaped, maybe you upgraded your plan, then we need to unshape you. If you've gone over a certain threshold, we need to dispatch an email to say, hey, you've gone over this threshold. If you've gone over your quota, we send you a text message and say, hey, you're over quota, and then we shape you. And then there's, you know, handling in there for um, unshaping as well. You know, nice. if you purchase a, uh, some extra data to to account for the fact that you've gone over. So, And those are just additional jobs you're dispatching as well. Yeah, just dispatch everything to a job. It means that, you know, in a test scenario, we just call this artisan, you know, summarized data and and that runs the job. And then we can check like based on this service that this happened, that they were shaped or they they received a notification or whatever. Laravel makes that really easy. But it also makes testing the individual jobs in isolation really easy because it means you can just new up the job. Absolutely. And call handle on it. And then, you know, make sure that it returns what you're expecting it to return. Make sure that the service that was passed into it is in a state that you expect it to be in. So that made things a hell of a lot easier. And it means that we've got like multiple layers of, of testing and we can verify that like this is doing everything it's supposed to do. So when someone came to me and said, hey, this customer has still got like wacky accounting, we could look at it and go, well, the the accounting system does everything it's supposed to do exactly as we understand that it needs to be able to do it. And that was able to actually show us that there was an issue upstream from us in like the radius server because it was doing something funny in some instances. So yeah, it's it's good. It, certainly having that multi-layered testing helps us pinpoint issues a lot easier. I'm very grateful that in this kind of critical system for an internet provider that we have that level of protection from ourselves. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's super nice, right? You put the you hit those tests, they all pass green, and you're just like, ah, oh, like you just breathe a sigh of relief, right? Especially when you're yeah. talking about coming from a legacy app where you just kind of like cross your fingers and hope that it's working, you know? It just yeah. never feels good. Never feels good. Yeah. So we actually had uh so we had like a foot of snow last night. It was really fun today. Went outside with the kiddos and uh you shovel. Know, normally you'd be shoveling the driveway. But no, I said, you know what? Screw it. Screw the driveway shoveling. I am making a snow igloo. So we took all the snow and we just piled it into a massive pile, packed it all down and then carved out the inside of it and made a snow igloo. It was awesome. Super fun. Yeah, yeah. It's a more fun way to deal with it, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was a lot more fun for the kids, no doubt. So Hmm. um, for me, development related stuff, I've been working on... Nova custom tools and fields, which is pretty cool. So um, Nova, obviously Laravel's new kind of admin panel thing. Um, Some of the things I've been really impressed with with it are the authorization aspect of it. So I can say, 
you know, I can have a policy. Everything's everything's tied in with Laravel policies. So policies, in case you haven't used policies in Laravel, what they do is they basically allow or disallow um, actions upon a resource um, based on some, you know, based on some method that you call. So what you'd do is you'd probably say like PHP artisan make policy and then you'd say new, uh, you'd say post policy, right? So if we're talking about a post that somebody can, they mm-hmm. can uh, create or modify or whatever, right? And then inside that you would have, inside that post policy, you'd have methods that match the different actions that you can take, like restful actions, right? So view, create, store, edit, update, destroy, uh, force destroy, something like that, right? And so those work in your normal Laravel app. And then inside there, you could say something like, and what happens is it injects the user as the first argument into those. So you automatically get the authenticated user. And then as the second argument, it gives you the model that you're currently looking at, right? Mm-hmm. So then um, you, you can do that. So anyway, you, you make those policies and Nova just picks up on them. So Nova just looks at the currently authenticated user in Nova and then applies those same rules. And then what it will do is along the right-hand side of a resource, it'll have like a view button, edit button, and a trash button, right? And it will only show those based on what permissions the current user has, which is really incredible that it does that. So you don't have to like do any special configuration. You just set up a policy and it just automatically handles that, which is really neat. The other option that you have too is that when you define a resource in Nova, you can also have a... um, like a override. So by default, it just returns all the resources that belong to that that particular one. So it's just like saying post colon colon all, right? But you yep. also have a method there where you can then scope uh, what you want to be returned. So for example, I have kind of three levels of, of users in my application. I have members, and then I have group admins, then I have super admins. So group admins can only see the users, the applications, the um, the trips that belong to people that are in their in their users group, right? So you can just say like when you go to view all the applications that people have made, you can scope it to only the people that are in their group. So that's that's really cool too. So you know it's basically a switch on the uh, if a user is a super admin or if they're a group admin, then you can uh, then you can kind of scope what resources they can see, which is really cool. But in addition to all that, right? One of the things that's always really kind of annoying is having to figure out how to, you know, mangle the application to allow you to build a, a, some sort of custom tool. But Nova ships with the ability to do that. So they have both like Nova top level tools and they have resource tools, which will only display on a particular resource. So what I did is I created like a top level tool that basically just gave me uh, Laravel api.php which is basically just a routes file it gave me any controllers that i would want to use a a view uh, component that i can create and then a navigation element on the sidebar that i can click to get to that location right so it just gives me basically a completely custom tool set up and ready to go with a view component all the endpoints that i would need ready to go and just says here you go here's a blank slate for you to use so um it's really it's really nice because it feels so native, right? Yeah. Like it doesn't feel like an extra thing that you tagged on. Like anybody who's using the Nova application, it looks like it's just a piece of the admin. It's just a piece of the UI and it's, it looks really, really mm-hmm. nice. So that's pretty cool. So the other thing that I was creating just today 
was a custom field. So a custom field is uh, they have uh, different fields in Nova uh, that really all they are is just view components that get populated with the values of the model that's being retrieved. So you have text fields, you have select fields, you have uh, relationship fields, you have image fields, avatar fields, location fields, date fields, all those sorts of fields, right? And um, you can make your own custom fields. So you can display something in a way that would be appropriate for what it, whatever it is. So the one thing that I was trying to display is uh, these people have these trips that they're going on and they're raising funds to be able to pay for these trips. So they have like a balance, right? So they have expenses and they have income. So what I wanted to be able to do is display a bar chart or a progress bar that shows how much of their trip they've currently raised or paid for mm-hmm. and, uh, without, you know, without having to have just a percentage because that can be kind of be like a little, you know, it's, it's not, there's nothing yeah. visual about it, right? No. So I wanted to have a visual element that goes along with that. So again, you just say like PHP Artisan Nova field and then you can name that field and it does all the stuff for you, does all the setup for you. So then you can, again, you get this custom view component that just automatically gets sent over the field value that you tell it to display, and then you can display it however you want. So then when you're, whenever you're ready to use it, you just go into that resource, that Nova resource. So in my case, application or trip, whatever you want to call it. And I just say, hey, go grab the balance amount and send it over to this progress bar field that I've created. So the progress bar field then just says, give me the value, and then it knows how to handle all the display portion of it. So it's, it's just awesome. I just, it feels so good, right. To just have complete control over all of that stuff. And it's not yeah. like a hack. It's just, it's built yeah. in to work it's that way. In, so you don't have to, yeah. So you can work with, with Nova instead of trying to fight it to. Exactly. To and the other thing that I think is really cool about these custom fields as well is there's three different views that you get for custom fields. So you get index view. So it's like, hey, this is what it's going to look like when you display all the resources in like a table. You have a detail view. So this is what it's going to look like if you're actually clicked into that particular record and you're wanting to see a detailed view of that field and then you have an edit view which is like if you're going to be looking at this field and you want to be able to edit it what is what is that custom what does that input look like at that point how are Mm -hmm. you going to display it how are they going to edit it right which is again just one of those pieces is just the details that you wouldn't even normally think about but they've got it all covered for you so pretty cool but like for mine like on the index view i just want to show the progress bar and a percentage but on the detail view i'm going to show the progress bar the percentage and then i'm actually going to show the numbers how much do they owe how much have they raised like the actual mm-hmm. number right and then i won't even display it on the edit view because there's nothing to edit it's just it's just a display of uh, of other yep. items but pretty awesome so i've been playing with that today and i'm really excited about that i'll probably release that progress bar as a uh, as a nova uh, tool what do they have what's the site nova nova packages it? nova packages yeah i'll probably release yeah. it as a package nice. and th- and there's some good tutorials out there already on how to how to create those nova packages and, and get them on there on that little place so there's a lot of nova fields out there but not not a progress bar field which i was kind of surprised yeah. about and it was interesting that you decided to google like how to make this thing as an S- svg the first time around instead of just looking for a progress bar well, no. So the funny thing was I looked like progress. I was like, okay, how can I find like, what do I want this to look like? Cause that was where I was starting at. I was like, what do I want it to look like? I want it to fit in with the UI, but I want it to be like attractive. Okay. What can I look? So I looked at dribble and I was like progress bar. It was like, eh, I didn't find anything great. It was like percentage. And I was like, eh, I still didn't find anything amazing. So I was like, there's gotta be some libraries out there that people are already, you know, that people have that look decent. So I just searched like progress bar JS. And the first one I found it was using this SVG. I was like, oh, that's clever. 
I was like, I mean, that's super simple. I could just do that. So I started messing around <laughs> with it a little bit. And then like an hour and a half later, I was like, sweet, I got it to work. And then I posted it and was like, hey, check this out. And somebody was like, oh, is there any reason why you just didn't do that with a div? And I was like, oh my gosh. No, actually, <laughs> let me just do that with a div. So I took another 15 or 20 minutes and built it as a div. I was like, here it is as a div. And then a the guy was like, why don't you just use a progress element? I'm like, what? <laughs> a progress element? What is that? Yeah. And so yeah. I did a little bit of Googling. It's like, what do you know? There's a progress element, which seems totally reasonable. It has a maximum value. Then it has a value attribute, right? Oddly enough. And the default yeah. the default look of it actually looks pretty good. But Not bad. you can do some custom styling of it, but you have to use the WebKit prefix, CSS prefix. And then you have to like say, hey, remove all the styling. Kind of, I think that you can do that with like a, a select box as well, right? Where you can mm-hmm. say like, hey, mm-hmm. hey, select box, like don't use any WebKit styling. And then you can, uh, you can kind of change it. So I think that's what I'll end up using, honestly, is the progress bar. So... Yeah, it it won't look as great nice. in IE, but who cares? So yeah, well, IE is coming along, and things should get a little bit more level now that I oh yeah, Microsoft has decided to use Chromium for Edge instead of their own rendering engine. So it should be a yeah. little bit more consistency in in terms of like how you actually construct your CSS and your HTML and things like that, which would be nice. Yeah. At the yeah, same time, sure. it also means that like Google has their fingers on on a lot of market share in terms of browsers right yes that's that's also comforting and i mean safari uses webkit as well right or blink or whatever Mm. it's called so like you can i think edge was blink and safari's webkit yeah okay so yeah whichever one it is like i I tested in safari and the the progress bar is still styled correctly in safari as Mm. well Hey, I'm, I'm going to take a quick departure here just because this is something cool I've been working with as well a lot. So X state, we've talked about this before. Finite state machines, blah, 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 whatever. Yes, that thing. That thing that, that I've talked about a hundred times before. So I've been using this recently and I'm telling you people, if you have not tried this, I just feel like it is so, it's such a, such a powerful, cool, expressive pattern. So, I mean, you're just thinking about a, a typical a very, very typical like field, right? So I have, Mm -hmm. in my situation, I have like, hey, I need to select a participant and then I need to select what type of transaction they're creating. So is it a donation by check? Is it a payment by check? Is it a manual transaction, right? And then once I select that, then I need to display the, I need to go ahead and display the check form, right? Or whatever form it is. And then once they fill that form in, I'm gonna check for validation errors, so I need to show, show validation errors or not. Once I submit it, I need to show a pending state where like I'm showing that, hey, that's, it's submitting. Uh, if it errors out, I need to show an errors page, but then they can go back to the pending state if they retry the transaction, right? Or if they say just reset the form, I have to reset back. So like you can just even in thinking all of that, you can think through all of the different Booleans and things like that you'd have to be checking in order to know which yeah. state you're currently in and what what state of UI you should be displaying. Mm-hmm. Right. And if Booleans is kind of like your go to, which for most of it, it is until uh, most of us, it is until it gets too complex. Like it just becomes a nightmare. And I think you feel like you have to chase around Booleans and like you have to do all these resets and like make sure these Booleans are in the correct order so that the UI displays correctly. And um, 
you know, some of this is kind of a result of like the two-way data binding where we just say like, well, hey, I know that if I set this Boolean, then the UI is going to react, be reactive to that. And so, you know, I, we just use Booleans with the VIF or the V show sort of stuff, right? And this X state just makes it so much easier because it very clearly defines all of the different states that you could be in. So you say like, oh, like, okay, I have inactive, right? That's like, they haven't even started it yet. And then I have, you know, application selected. And then I have awaiting validation or, or filling, or then I have validation, then I have pending, then I have error, then I have, uh, you know, success or whatever I have, right? I have all these different states and then I can very easily transition between states by just sending an event to the machine that's listening for all, you know, that's basically keeping track of where I'm at. And the other thing is that with this X state, you have a visualizer as well, where you just paste in the state and it just shows you arrows from one state to the next. Here's all the paths that you have that you can go with, right? And it just makes it incredibly, incredibly simple. So I promise you at some point, I'm going to get around to writing a blog post. But in the meantime, really, the documentation is pretty dang simple. It's just xstate.js.org slash docs. If you have not tried this, and this sounds like something you'd be interested in, please go try it. It works great with local component state, like, but it also works with Vue, uh, Vuex as well. You can use, use it in either. Um, so if you need any tips or you get stuck, let me know. I'd be happy to pair with anybody and kind of show them this. It's really, really cool. Nice. Yeah. Yes, yes. Cool. Okay. I'm going to say we're going to start wrapping this thing because we're almost at an hour. So. What's What other yeah. amazing things did you want to tell me? No, that was it. I've got very little to nothing else. <laughs> we could talk about telescopes sometime. We could talk about telescopes sometime. Ooh, That'd be yeah. Fun. We can save, hey, save that for the next episode. Yeah. So one of the, one, as, as we said earlier in the show, we want to kind of give a shout out to one of our sponsors. So Joe Lennon is actually a longtime North Meet South listener. Uh, I feel like we started talking to him really shortly after we started the show, actually. Mm. And so he decided to kind of uh, kick some cash our way. And so we wanted to talk about Work Vivo, which is a enterprise internal communications platform that uh, Joe has built with a partner. Uh, I think we said that they've only been released since when, July? July of 2018, yeah. Yeah. They seem to be doing really well and getting some excellent feedback from the customer. So it's built with Laravel and React uh, with a React native and Electron powering their native and uh, their native mobile and desktop apps. So they have uh, tens of thousands of employees now and over a dozen medium to large companies using their platform in over 23 countries across the, across the, uh, the globe. So Joe is the co-founder and CTO. Uh, that sounds like something that that could be useful for your, uh, for your workplace. I would love uh, for you to reach out to him. Uh, Joe is a super, super nice guy. And he is, uh, we're very thankful for him uh, supporting the show. So thanks, Joe. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, awesome. Joe. Awesome. Everybody, thanks so much for tuning in and listening. We really appreciate it. Glad to be back with you this new year. Looking forward to another wonderful year of North Meets South. If you liked the show, you can find uh, show notes for it at northmeetsouth.audio slash 52. If you would like to tell us how terrible we were today or give us any feedback, you can hit us up at Jacob Bennett, at Michael Dorinda, or at North South Audio. On Twitter, as always, we would love it if you would rate the show up. Five stars would be greatly appreciated. And if you'd like to play Rocket League sometime, hit me up. Hit me up on Twitter. Give me your friend code. I'm on Switch. So although there's cross-platform between a couple different platforms as well. So I was looking for people to play recently. Yeah. I yeah. learned about this recently. My nephew, my sister was saying that my nephew's got a 
Xbox for Christmas so that they could play Fortnite with their friends. And it, yeah. as it turns out, they can play Fortnite with their friends from their PlayStation. So, yep. I mean, now they've it's got a PlayStation and an, and an Xbox. But yeah, the the whole cross-platform plays is getting, you know, it's getting here. It's good. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think it's a really, really, really good thing, right? So I can play my brothers who play on Steam in Rocket League. Yeah. And I can play on my Switch. So it's nice. It's really cool. Sweet. All right, I'll cool. leave it to you. I'm sure you are going to go and play some Rocket League with David Hemphill now. We'll see. It's 12.05. I might play one round. We'll see if he's still on. <laughs> All right. <Awesome. laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hopefully, we will see you in two weeks. Yes, we've got to get this thing back on schedule. We Bye. do. Absolutely. Bye.